0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And uh, my name's Tim. If uh, you're new here, I'm the senior pastor at the church. And, uh, well, I was so uh, happy to see my wife and John sharing last week. And you don't get to hear from uh, them very often. And uh, so that was your opportunity. And uh, we are on a series, or we're in a series, and we're about to bring it to a close on generosity as the video kind of reflected to us. For four weeks, we have been looking at a generous life. That is, what does it mean to live a generous life? What does the Bible have to say about generosity? And um, we've learned some things along the way. I hope you have. And I've recommended this book. I think we, I don't know if we've, Given them all or sold them all now, but uh, this book, The Blessed Life, uh, is a good book. You know, there are some things in there, maybe theologically, I don't quite line up with. Uh, You you probably find this hard to believe, but I check everything I read. (laughs) I double check it. I make sure, you know, that, and there are a couple of things in there that I don't, you know, not my theology exactly, but by far the book is great and has some absolutely wonderful testimonies of adventures and generosity. And what God can, can do and through you as a kind people, as a generous people. We've learned that the first has a lot to do with our relationship with God. And that is that when we give our first to the number one, it reflects that. It reflects that, hey, we recognize, God, that you are number one. So we give you the first part of whatever we have. How many of you, I know you prayed over all of your children. But when, you, when Karen got pregnant with our first son, I was like, you know, we were like, I was real heavy into the Old Testament during that period of time. You know, I was 23 years old when our son was born. And, like, I was just saying, God, this is the first one of the Holtz. He is going to be, like, a mighty man of God. And he is, you know, and I just, like, you pray, we're praying, and just, like, fasting, and, you know, he's the first one. And, and you're just, like, it was just exciting to know that, indeed, if God is first in my life and, and, and that I want him to have the first of my life, and and I want to set a precedence by saying, "Hey, you're number one." So here's the number one part of what I have. Here it is, whether it's in my offering or it's my whatever my whatever I have to give. I want to make sure I set the groundwork and I set this path with you being up front, Lord, with everything I have. So we've learned that we've talked about the tithe. You got to take a deep breath when you talk about that in church, and uh, we've talked about what it means to give. Our first 10%, why that is in the scripture, that it existed before the law and Jesus uh, reinforced it during his lifetime as well. So it's, it's not a law, it's, it's an act of generosity and kindness in that it's saying, God, you gave me what I have, so I'm giving you back what is yours, basically. It's yours. It's the only place in Malachi that we read where God says, test me. Just check, just try me. Try me. Try giving this, giving your first 10%. Check it out and see what I'll do. It's the only place in scripture he says that. Test me. So we've learned about that. And, um, and I hope those of you who are in small groups or you've gone to lunch after, after a Sunday meeting or, or whatever, that you've talked about all of this. That's why on the back side of your handout, I have questions at the bottom. I uh, give you all the scripture I use back so you can go and you can talk and you can pray and you can say, what do you think about what Tim said here and there and what do you think the scripture really means? And so you can digest it, talk about it, struggle, wrestle with it and hear God in it and, and see what God is saying to you. So that, that's that's our, you know, that's why I get up here. I get up so excited and uh, every Sunday that I come up here, I'm, I'm like, it's important, you know, it's important to me that that we do this journey together. We learn together. We learn that it's not about, uh, you know, legalism. That it's, it's so easy for like a pastor, for like me. I know it is. And this is what goes across the mind many times. Well, Tim, it's easy for you to get up and talk about. We should give to the church because you are at the church. And, you know, and I understand the, you know, the skepticism of such in today's culture and all. But, you know what, you've heard our story The leaders in our church have a story. All of us have been giving for decades, giving our first 10% and giving more than that over a lifetime of experience before we were ever on staff at a church. And and this is a part of our life. This is what we believe. And and so, you know, and I don't quite get, you know, we, we struggle with the church. Can I tell you something about us being critical about the church? Do you know whose wife the church is? You ever talk smack about somebody else's wife? they were like, I don't know what's wrong with her. Why didn't she get her stuff together? You know, like, I don't, you know, and then, then the guy that really loves her comes along. I mean, what you doing talking about smack on my wife, my honey? Don't do it. you know, like, seriously, you know, when we think about it, and plus, we're the church. So we're, you know, we're like giving ourselves a slap in the face. We're all trying to get this right. We're all working together. We're all pushing together. We're trying to do this the right way. We're trying to make a difference. And so that's us together. It's just not the pastor. It's just not those. It's all of us are the big team. We're all in this together. So we're all making our way. And the church is loved by Jesus. He loves his church. He is the chief shepherd of the church. And he is going to take care of his church. I believe that. And so we get to participate in that. And so we've learned about that. We've learned that it's not legalism, that it's freedom and blessings in order to be able to give and give generously. And, uh, you know, people are funny when it comes to their money, and, uh, and no doubt about that. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about that today. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into this. If you would, flip your hand over, hand out over, and uh, take a look at the Scriptures, and you can work along with me. I've got quite a bit of Scripture today, and I'm just going to make comment on that as we make our way through it, as we bring this to a close. By the way, next week, we launch into a, an amazing book in the Old Testament. It's a romantic book. It's a tragic book. I will tell you it has a good ending. It starts out real tragic. And uh, it could be a movie. And it's named after this woman called Ruth. And we're going to spend four weeks with Ruth and her family. And uh, you're going you're to be just so uh, encouraged and excited by what we learn about her and her family. So, Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we can... Uh, break bread, and that is break your word uh, a bit open together and participate together in the, the the sharing of it with one another. We ask that you give us understanding, breathe life on your word. Help me in my weakness, God. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. Uh, Lord, I want to be hidden behind your word, and I want your word, because your word has life, so let your word uh, blossom and burn like a fire, and at the same time, bring a refreshing of like water that it is to our lives, and so we ask for your help, and Holy Spirit, you are the presence of God, and breathe life again on your word, but also be here, and drop in on us, I know you're with us, those of us who follow you, and you live within us, but I know also you drop in on your people at times. And so would you drop in in a certain way that this word would be brought to life. In the presence of Christ. The reality of our Savior could be experienced today. You're a generous God. And we worship you. And it's the reason we gather today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, money can have such a power over us, can't it? Not and Jesus actually talks about this over in matthew six twenty four uh let's let's read the scripture and uh, then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. No one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon Mammon weird weird word right Mammon, your translation might say money wealth, possessions. Uh, in the book, if you read the book, he goes into a, kind of a saying that the Assyrians or the Babylonians had a God, kind of like God, a spirit of mammon that could uh, take on a person's kind of persona or influence you. I, honestly, after I studied it, I didn't find anything like that. Okay, but, uh, So just being honest. And, uh, but I did find this. I did find this. The other places in the scripture where we talk about the power of wealth and money and all is not expressed as it is in this particular way. What Jesus is doing is he is somewhat giving personhood. He is saying that our possessions and our money and such have suddenly got such a power. Has set, we have given it such import in our lives that it has taken on personhood almost. That all of a sudden uh we began to serve it instead of you know it serving us. And so it is it is said that way. You cannot serve both God and mammon and, and two masters. And so it has this feeling that what went from being something intangible or or something tangible has suddenly become intangible in that it has a power and aura about it. It's kind of like uh well, we do this with our children, don't we? We we have our children and we love them and 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 we just thank God for them. But suddenly we get so wrapped up in them that they begin to dictate life to us. Is that not true? Have you never found yourself like, why is this eight-year-old dictating every single thing I do in my life? You know, suddenly you give it up. You just—he's got the power, you know—and that kind of thing. And. And money does the same thing to us. After a while, we begin to experience what it can do for us. Or what the lack of it does to us. You know, like a spirit of poverty is somewhat the same thing. And that is that we give it such power, it can rob us or it can take us over. And Jesus is making a comment here about that. He's like, look, there is nothing on the same level with God and when and remember this, he's speaking to 99% of the people are deep poverty, right? I mean, he's, he's got some wealthy friends and they helped finance some of the ministry and all. And, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea, you know, with the tomb. And there were people in his life, Levi Matthew and Zacchaeus, all of these people that were in his life. Uh, were touched by him in such a way that their wealth was redeemed as well. And and he came along. But then there were others like Judas. And there were others uh, like the the wealthy. We say he's the rich young ruler. We don't know if he's young or not. But the rich ruler that came to Jesus wanting to know how he could inherit the kingdom of God. Right? And he went away sad when Jesus said, basically, you cannot serve two masters. You can't have both. And so it's not a matter of you having too much. It's a matter of how much of it has you. And Jesus is saying, you can't serve both. You can't have, you can't be a slave. And your first feeling is this. The spirit of mammon wants to enslave us. The spirit of mammon wants to enslave us. God wants to free us. The spirit of money, possessions, wealth wants to enslave us. It wants to dictate to us how we live our life. What we value, our time, it takes it, it tells us what we do with it, our affections, all of that. We become a slave to it, whereas God wants us to be free. He wants it to be our servant. You know, you're not, you shouldn't have anything, none of us. And I know this is a life journey many times, but God intends that we not be enslaved to anything. Anything That we'd be free to be all that he's called us to be. And so the spirit of wealth, the spirit of money, the spirit of mammon is, is that it takes on almost personhood in our lives. We treat it like another entity in our family, in our homes, through our conversations, what, how we do our priorities. Suddenly it is a person to us. And that's easy to do because it's how we pay our bills, it's how we plan for our future, it's how we enjoy life, right? I mean, it's easy. Let's, we're all in this, right? We're all this together. Hello, my name's Tim. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Okay, got it. Okay, but see, this is why we gather together because this is about us discipling one another and letting the Word kind of work in us and help us find a healthy place just to be free. And you know, you're, also, you're sitting among people who are free this morning. There are some people in this room who are free from a spirit of mammon. They are happy and they're free. And they put things in the right priority. And they are not enslaved to it. They can make decisions in their life based on what they believe God wants them to do. And not what mammon wants them to do. Right? And that's where we should be as God's people. We want to be free to do that. So Jesus says, you know, we can't do both though. We just can't. We can't hold because we'll end up just like a message like this and find out that a lot of people hate these messages. I don't get it. I thought I was a love, lovable guy. But people hate these messages on giving and stuff when they hear it, you know. People don't. And I've never gotten that because I think it's a part of our discipleship. I mean, any time I hear, I can find a way to, to follow Jesus a little more obediently and and. and cultivate that relationship in my life. In some way, I get kind of excited, even if it is a challenge. I'm like, well, God, if this is what you have, let's let's do this thing. Let's do it. And so we just can't have both. We can't do both. We can't be enslaved to a spirit of money, of mammon, of wealth and possessions, and at the same time be free in Christ. We can't. And so the fact that Jesus is saying this says that there is a way to be free. Jesus is not out to frustrate us he's out to free us and so that's as we end today let's remember that you know how does money control us well after a while there's some indicators you know suddenly we start finding ways to get around things so we can get more or we cheat we might call it stretching the truth a little bit or not telling quite enough truth um you know, things. It, suddenly it affects our character. Then it affects our humility. Suddenly uh, we're not as humble as we used to be. A little pride begins to seep into us over uh, what we have and and that kind of thing. We can start seeing elements of it showing up. It doesn't mean you're not grateful. It doesn't mean you can't be wonderfully thankful to God for all that he's done. That's not what I'm talking about. But suddenly it takes you like a spirit, right? Like it starts taking you. You start noticing you're behaving different when your bank account's bigger. And I don't mean just being happy about it, which you should be. But I'm talking about, you know, it controls you now. It begins to speak to you what you're going to do with your life instead of you having a plan and working it for the glory of God. Uh, Again, I mentioned Jesus' friends who dealt with it and dealt with it well and we went through Easter, I couldn't help but think of Joseph of Arimathea and, and uh, how he went with all the spices again and, and Nicodemus to to try to put the spices on Jesus' body and that, indeed, the tomb was his, you know, and that he loaned it of sorts to Jesus for it to be there because he didn't need it long, and uh, Jesus didn't need it That It was just, can I, can I borrow this for a couple of days, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. You can have it right back. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, think about the people that have been a blessing and who have not been controlled by the blessings that God has given them. They've been generous people. And they show up in Scripture over and over again. 16th chapter of Romans has got a list of, of some women in there who were certainly wealthy leaders in the early church and that Paul mentions not only their leadership but also how they took care and hosted uh, small groups which were the church in that day. And so, it's not that the stuff is evil. It's that... We can give it life. We can let it become a spirit in our life. And and Jesus says, don't do that. You can't do that. So what is the proper use? What is the proper use of what God has given us? i want to give you three things this morning. This is your next fill-in. Proper use of money, possessions, and wealth. And I've got some scripture uh, for you to take with you. It's all there in your handout. But the first one is this. God has blessed you and uh, he has given you what you have in order to care for family and self so as to not be a burden on others. Now, this is scriptural. i to show you in just a minute because I come from a working class family. I was taught to work my butt off my whole life, early in the morning to late in the evening. And uh, I watched my dad do that his whole life. I watched my mom do that her whole life. And I watched them work hard. And uh, some people think that, Christians, like, are lazy people. We just want things. Well, will stick with me over these next three things, okay? As we care for family and self so as not to be a burden. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than unbelievable. Sweet scripture. Paul is so kind and... Touchy feely at times. I don't know about Paul, and uh, but he's telling his young pastor Timothy, you know, that he's training to kind of take his place. He's—they've got people in the church, probably in Ephesus or somewhere like this—that are, you know, now get this. He's talking to Christians, right? He's talking to the church, so you know that's a part of this. So there is a very practical side to work in God's eyes. He gave us this world to work it. To see that fruit comes from it. But not for it to work us. And not for it to enslave us. But for us to enjoy the freedom God has given us to do what he's called us to do. Right? And we're always straddling the line with that. Because we're leaning one way or the other a lot of times. But as long as we're on the line and we feel the tension, we'll be okay. Because we keep getting pulled back. Work, work, work. Wait a minute. It's got me. It's got me. Back it up. Back it up. My family, you know, my health, my church, my spiritual life. Back it up, back it up. You know, it's my steward. You know, I'm stewarding it. I'm not its slave. So we keep pulling it back to the center. Let's look at another scripture. 1 Thessalonians four, eleven through 12. And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Wow. And work with your hands. Just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Here's an evangelism element to this whole thing of having a good work ethic and working, right? So people see see that. You may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. This is in the Bible. Did y'all know that this stuff right here? I mean, it's in the Bible. This is it. And, and so Paul is saying, look, as you grow in Christ, come on. Get out and work. This is a good thing. Let's go on to the next one, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. In the name, boy, he's getting strong now. Listen to this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Care for family and self so as. Do the best you can so that you're not a burden to others. So when your children are growing up and you're trying to take care of them, you do your best. And again, this was written in a culture that was really, really poor. And so Paul is saying it's important for our testimony that we get out there in the middle of things. And we work hard and take care so we're not a burden. And of course the church had so many poor people in it it did have to kind of take care of one another at times and and also evidently there were people floating through these churches that were just taking advantage of that and paul says no no that's that's not the way this is to work you get a job and you go to work and uh so so christian people should not be lazy people uh I, these are this is that balance i'm putting on the end of this sermon so As we talk about this. We should be generous with our work. (laughs) We should be generous with how much we give to our employer. You work for someone. They should look at you as a follower of Jesus. And go that's the best employee I have. They work man. And they pay attention to what they do. And they do a good job. And you know what. I would not want to lose that person. That is our call. And that is part of our testimony. That is part of our evangelism. It's like Paul said. And so it's, you know, to be responsible with God's blessings as much as possible so as not to be a burden, our family, to anyone else. But things do happen, don't they? They do happen. And this is your second fill-in. And that is we also have money, possessions, and wealth that God gives us so that we can care for those in need, especially those of your family of faith. Care for those in need, especially For those of your family of faith. That you get that down. I I tried to minimize the words. I just couldn't do it. I I worked hard at it. But I failed. To try to minimize these fill-ins. But uh, yeah. Galatians 6.10. Let's read it. Therefore as we have the opportunity. Let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family of faith. That's your local church. Those in your where you serve God. Where if you're our guest today from out of town, that's your church back home. Or if you belong to another church and you're our guest today in the area, that's your local church, not this church. That's your church wherever you are. That's it. Um, let's read Romans uh, fifteen twenty five through twenty seven. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there for Macedonia and Achaia. We were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in J- Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. They were pleased to do it. Not like, oh man, what? We get it, you know, what's wrong with these people, you know? No, it was like, we're pleased to do it. We're pleased to help. That's, that's the spirit of generosity, that's the heart of generosity. If I see someone that's in need and I know that there's a situation, then I am pleased to be a part to help. I'm happy to do that. And so uh, let's, let's read a couple more. I just got to do this. Uh, let's see. Ephesians 4.28. Let's read that one. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, duh, but must work. <laughs> But must work doing something useful with their hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. And you see if a spirit you know, of mammon has you. You have nothing left to share. Because it's got you. Most likely whatever you've got to share. You know who you're sharing it on. You know. That's it. But when we're not enslaved. We're free. And we can be Generous to meet the needs as God shows us in the community. And again, these communities were very poor. These these churches, these local churches, most of them were very poor in these cities. And uh, they had to pull together to help one another and to help one another at times. And so, you know, God gives us money and possessions and wealth to help those in need, especially in your locale, your local family of faith. And we do have economic downturns as we saw not that long ago. I mean, I know myself, I we had friends, you know that were blessing a lot of people and all of a sudden we were taking up money for gas for them. I mean, it went from that to no gas to even get around, you know, within a few months when the recession hit here in the beach. And so there are times when people family of faith pulls together and we help one another. But we can't do that if the spirit of mammon has us. We can't. We won't be able to do it when it happens. When we see someone in need. We won't have it because it has us. And it's controlling what we do. So care for those in need. Especially your family of faith. And your third fill in is this. And that is God gives us what we have. So that we can care for God's work in sharing the good news of Jesus. And sharing the good news of Jesus. Care for God's work in sharing the good news of Jesus. First Corinthians 9, 1 through 14. Let's read it. Let's see what it says here. We'll read a portion of it. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living... From the gospel. Let's read another scripture. First Timothy five, seventeen through eighteen. The elders who direct the affairs of the church uh, are worthy of double honor. The word honors, honorarium, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle a ox while it's treading out the grain. And here's the metaphors. The worker deserves his wages. Uh, let's read another one. Philippians four fourteen. Yes, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Paul's talking to them. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. That is, remember Matthew 6? Treasures in heaven. More accredited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. Can you imagine a church going, I got more than it. Stop it. Quit giving. Okay, all right. We got enough. All right. Stop it. Stop it. Everybody take back your offering. Take it back. Take it back this morning. You know, I am amply supplied. Amply supplied. Now that I receive from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. Now this is a description of someone that the spirit of mammon definitely does not. You know, they don't have a spirit of mammon. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And many of you know this next part of the scripture. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How many of you have tagged your letters with that? But have you seen it in context? God will meet all your needs. Who is all? The ones who gave the offering to Paul. That's who he's talking about. That's the context of that declaration. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. It is specifically mentioned to a group of people who were working alongside him in supporting the mission of the church and what he was doing. That's where the blessing came from. Now, more than enough, more than enough, amply supplied. I mean, imagine, you know, I, I was at a wedding yesterday. We're doing a, a wedding. And uh, this uh, couple came up to me and, and said some nice things about the service and all. And uh, and then uh, he goes, you're one of those guys that works one hour a week. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, got, I got a friend that... I, uh, I got a friend that says that to me all the time. And I told him, no, we do two services. I work two hours a (laughs) week. Two hours. Now, I want to say this, that that there comes a point in every church where those who serve in the church and those who serve in preaching and teaching and all need to have the time to do the work. If they don't have the time to do the work, they are not going to be able to do the work well. And a lot of folks don't don't realize how much goes into research, especially if you are a nerd, and how much goes into researching and, and just checking things out and, and praying and trying to get a sense of, you know, where it should go, where the message should go, where the church should go and all. And um, one of the things that we've blessed with a fairly large group of, Preachers here in this church, you know. And that's not by happenstance. That is by hard work. Is how that happened. And it's happened. Almost four, four and a half years now, we've had a pit crew. My preacher's in training, you know, who are now basically, all of us are in training. But, uh, you know, they have graduated in, in many ways. And But when people give their lives to this thing, they literally do that. And it's it's a calling that um, requires a certain amount of latitude and being able to study, to be able to research, to be able to spend time, to get trained up and on. So, Paul knew that very well, and, and he's saying, you know, that if you really want them to spend the time and to, it to, I know it sometimes doesn't sound like I've spent more than thirty minutes putting these things together, but uh, but uh, I try, you know, maybe, but you know, it can take anywhere from you know fifteen to twenty five hours a week just doing this. You know, just, and that's if you start from scratch, it's 20, 25 hours of just study and pray and study and pray and study and pray. And so Paul is saying, look, every church has to decide at some point where they're going to liberate those who are doing this so they can do it and do it well. And you guys do that. You know, you do that through your giving. That's how we do this. And as the church grows, wouldn't it be awesome that... There's going to be a few thousand students coming through our doors here in the next few weeks. International students. What if God wants to do more in our church? What if we're going to need more space to minister to more students? What if we're going to need more space for more people to come in here? Wouldn't it be great to have be amply supplied with all you need? One last scripture I want to read you is First Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. Uh, Listen to this. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you would set aside, there it is first, right? First day of every week, uh, that's a Sunday. Each one of you would set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, whatever you make. Everybody gets to participate. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections, have. To be made. Do you get that? No collections have to be made. Do you know we have never ever taken a special offering in 20 years in this church? Ever. Association of Vineyard Churches that we've been a part of for over twenty years, we go to their conferences, never have taken up an extra offering in any conference. Now I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, isn't it neat when God's people amply supply what is needed so you don't have to go, please give us the money so that we can go to India, so we can go with Doug to India, so we can go with Linus to Brazil, so we can go with the Harolds to Italy, which we need to be praying for steadily that they get released to get into that country, that we can go out into our community and serve the children of this community and have some after-school care and have some... Uh, help training people to get jobs. I mean, imagine how much we could do if we are amply and overly supplied with an abundance of resources. What could we do? We can do anything that God calls us to do. This church sits in the middle of Myrtle Beach. That is no mistake. Convention center here, Banker's Row here, wealthy, needy, ocean, hotels, We ministered to the police departments. We started this church ministering to Atlantic Beach. We went in and cleaned their beaches the first year we started this church. We fed the police department. We cleaned up the basketball courts. We cleaned up the tennis courts. We went into Atlantic City, about 15 of us, and we picked up every single piece of trash. On Christmas and on Thanksgiving, we cooked meals and we delivered them to people, and we were maybe 80 strong. That is the heritage of this church. And now God has moved us steadily down, which I knew he would, right down into the very heart of this city, which we love. And now this is our time. This is our time. And it will be a generous people who hit their stride and do what God has called them to do. And that, my friends, are you and me. That's us and all those out there right now that should be in here. And there's a bunch of them out there that should be in here this morning. So we have a grand call. And when we're amply supplied and when there's generosity in the church, we can do every single thing we are called to do. One last thing. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. As a matter of fact, if you're generous now, you are already wealthy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, God, that you have called a people Lord, just as these churches that Paul loved and he encouraged and he, he tried to spur on, Lord, you have called this church with much affection out of your deep desire to touch the nations, to touch this city, to touch our counties around us. And so, Lord, I thank you for the generosity we have experienced up to this point because, Lord, there are, there, you have always met our need, always. I am amazed, honestly amazed. But I feel like we're about to take another step, God. There's another level of this thing that we have not experienced before. And this is our time. And this is the time for generosity of our hearts, of our time, of our resources, of our gifts. It is the time, Lord, to step into what you have for us. So, Lord, here we are. And like our founder, John Wimbers, said, we're just loose change in your pocket. Spend us like you want to, Lord. Spend us, Lord. Spend us thanks for listening to the seacoast vineyard podcast you can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com if you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift please click on the give tab at our website or download the push app on your smartphone and search for seacoast vineyard church